Daniel Bellelli, thank you very much for joining me on the Anthology of Heroes podcast. How are you today? Good. I uh, better. I tried to poison myself with beet juice yesterday. I did a little too much, and I spent the day going. Ugh! I watched okay. the of The Walking Dead because I couldn't do anything else. So that was my day yesterday. Today I feel better. Okay, that's good. I can see maybe you spilt a bit on your t-shirt there, right, a bit of the beet right. juice there. <laughs> we are time-looking like thing. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Dan um, Daniele Bellelli is more or less podcasting uh, history royalty in a way, right? Um, been around for a long time, I suppose. When did you start podcasting? Actually, uh, I started podcasting a different podcast. I was doing the Drunken Taoist. I started in 2012, and then I started uh, History on Fire. I'm pretty sure it was September 2015. Right, okay, okay, so more or less, well, nine, nine, ten years or so. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, it was actually funny, my intro to podcast, I didn't know what podcasting was in 2011, and my first podcast as a guest was Joe Rogan Podcast, where I had no idea what it was, and it was like, you know, now it's pretty much the biggest podcast in the world, and so it's, uh, it was a, it's a very deep dive right away. Yeah, you really got stuck into that one quick. He must have been upcoming then as well, or had he been doing it a bit longer at that point? I mean, he had been doing it for a while, but I think he was episode 100-something, which now is, I don't even know where he's at, but like, he's done it so much longer. But yeah, it was late 2011, so I think he had been doing it for, I don't know, maybe a year or two, something like that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, certainly both new to it at that point then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so on, on our show, I'm sure you probably haven't got a chance to listen to um, any of our episodes or anything like that, but what we try and do is, um, what I've tried to do is kind of take a, a national hero from a, every country of the world. Uh, we started going through the list, just going A to Z, so, you know, Albania, Algeria, um, that kind of thing. But then I started kind of thinking, well, I can jump around a bit more. Yeah. There's a few that I'm a bit more passionate about. Sure. Um, and on your show, I've, obviously, you've covered a lot of people um, and you probably understand that hero to be quite a cliche term. I'm, I'm sure you would agree. Is there anyone that you think, even if you haven't covered them, anyone that stands out to you as uh, either a personal hero or a hero from a nationalistic sense? Sure. One of my all-time uh, historical heroes that I have done a couple of episodes on was uh, Ikkyu Sojun, Zen uh, wild guy from the 1400s Japan. He's just too fun. Is, I, I uh, love that episode of yours, actually, yeah. Yeah, because so much of the stories we cover are war and conflict. And don't get me wrong, of course, there's something heroic in many of those guys, but it gets kind of tedious where everything is just about fighting. Mm. And to have somebody who is a fantastic historical figure and is not just because he killed people more effectively or is tough in war, is like it's a nice change. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I really, I like that episode, actually. I thought it was, as you said, quite unique in the sense that, I mean, I can't think of anyone like like that kind of guy, right? The um, really telling that, was it the Zen masters, kind of what he thought of them and what he thought of their traditions oh, yeah. and all that? Yeah, I particularly enjoyed that, actually. It was hilarious. I think um, I mentioned to you in my email, but my favorite episode of yours was the one on Caravaggio. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because yeah. um, I, I was reading, I always, as you probably do, you have a bit of a read of the descriptions before you start listening. I thought, ah, oh, I'm not going to listen to this one. It's just about some painter or something. And then I, I put it on, and, man, that guy lived a life, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was funny. I had the, Once I was talking with Don Carlin about it, and I told him about the Caravaggio episode, and he was like, really? Italian painter? I mean... Cool, cool art, but what's the deal? And I was like, no, 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 think of it this way. Uh, think Tupac 
at Tupac being an Italian painter in the 1600s. And that was like, okay, say no more. I got it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I remember one particular scene you had him like um, running away from either the Knights Templar or the Knights Hospitaller yeah. on, on a beach or something. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's crazy. That's oh, a crazy life for sure. I'm actually yeah, planning, um, that's something I'm super excited about. I'm desperately trying to go forward with History on Fire, meaning by myself sometime by getting a few episodes done faster, because I want to go back. Back in December, I had a chance to spend a month writing the beginning of a historical fiction about Caravaggio. So that's kind of what I want to do. I I got a good start, but, you know, I haven't touched it since January, so I'd like to get back to it. And and that's that's something I'm very excited about. Yeah, that would be really... You've written a few books already now, five or six now, right? Yeah, I wrote books, but they were all non-fiction. So okay. I don't really feel like writing non-fiction anymore. I really want to write stories. I want to write fiction. And uh, oh, and fantastic. the beginning of Caravaggio, it's such a blast. So I was like, oh, this is something I feel really good about. Uh, you must spend a lot of time, I mean, and I, I try and get out an episode every every two weeks or so, but... Your episodes are generally a lot longer than mine and also a lot more in-depth. How long does it take you to do the read? I mean, how many, if you had to average out the books you read for episodes? A lot, a lot. I mean, I'm trying to find, at 60 or scene, I'm desperately trying to find ways to cut down on the research time. It's hard because you need to really know your topics from A to Z. And sometimes the ones you know the best, you end up researching even more because you know them so well, but you want to know even more. So it's like... It's tricky because it ends up being um, easily 100 to 200 hours per episode, depending on how, how bad it gets. And it can get, you know, mm-hmm. recently I managed to get a couple of episodes done with maybe maybe 100 total, so it's more like 50 per episode. I was super excited. I was like, this is awesome. I managed to get it. So I don't know. Maybe there are ways <laughs> around it. There is a point where you become... Uh, it's diminishing returns when, you know, you keep reading more and more books and what you get is a little bit more, but not nearly as much worth the time investment. But sometimes you run into things that, you know, you had read five books and you're like, I'm done. I know everything there is. And then you read another one and you're like, oh, there's a whole other twist to this story. So that's tricky because uh, sometimes you don't feel like you're ever ready to be done with the research. Yeah, no, I, I completely know what you mean. I think sometimes, especially there's almost, I don't know about you, there's, um, if you're looking up books that are particularly old or maybe out of print, and you're going through the page 25 of Google search and you, you pull out one, you're like, yes, I've got the link to it, yeah, finally, yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, for the episode we did on Armenia, um, we did it about St. Gregory the Illuminator, who was mm-hmm. the guy that kind of made the blueprint for the, the Christian church in a way. And um, I, I was going through this um, hymn book that was from the 5th century that had been translated through, you know, God knows how many languages. Right. And, um, yeah, I, all of a sudden I come across this story that says he was turned into a, a boar because of his, um, you know, uh, the, the way he um, worshipped God and stuff like that. I'm like, right now we're talking, okay, you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's funny. Um, I suppose, I, I guess you would probably agree that the concept of a hero, I guess, is, is fundamentally flawed. There's no one really that is completely perfect. There's no, even people when they say Mother Teresa and all that and, and Gandhi and all that, they, they were still human at the end of the day. Is there anyone that you think is kind of above that or that you've I come across? Think, I mean, I don't think looking for perfection is the way you define a hero. There is no perfection. Hmm. But I think he's uh, doing something 
doing something great that mm. involves uh, sometime, <clears throat> sometime a degree of, it doesn't have to be a martyr story, but a little bit of a degree of doing something for greater than yourself, whether for other people or for something, despite all your flaws, your humanity, your bad moods, all of that. To me, that's heroic. And that, to me, is a very real level of heroism. Like, to me, a heroic is, uh, without even going that big scale, to me, a parent that's working like a dog and then still is there for their kids at every step of the way and is, like, gets waken up by their kid in the middle of the night and they just want to choke them because they haven't had sleeping and they still manage to be nice to them and kind and that to me is heroic to the 10th degree you know it's Mm -hmm. like so hero doesn't mean you have to be perfect but it's just that ability to do something with tremendous heart with great power with uh, overcoming all your own worst impulses is when you're fighting against something that's trying to bring you down. It's trying to bring you to do something that's less than the way you would want to live. And you still find a way to turn it around and make it work. Mm. Like those kind of uh, everyday heroes in a way, right? Oh, Some, yeah. Someone who just, they don't need to be Trajan conquering the, you know, yeah. holding the Roman Empire together, right? Yeah. No, I think, and I think that's where the hero story where they are powerful, <clears throat> that sometimes seeing it on a large scale, seeing somebody that does something dramatic on a historical level serves as inspiration for those day-to-day hero moments in your daily life, which ultimately are the ones that really counts, are the ones that are going to make your kids grow well, are the ones that are going to uh, have an impact on the people around you. Uh, it's not about what you know, because how many people get a chance to do something heroic on that scale, on the the big historical scale? Not very much. But that doesn't mm. mean you cannot have a tremendous impact on the people mm. you live around. Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think that's something that, especially historical figures, that I, I take a lot of inspiration from if I'm having a bad day or if I'm, you know, going for that last rep at the gym or something like that, you know, you think, oh, push through it kind of thing. But yep. Mm. Yep. From, from an Italian perspective, uh, though, obviously um, you're, you were born in Milan, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay. So there's obviously, I mean, Italy's arguably got more history than anywhere in the world. Is there any particular Roman, Roman empires, Roman figures that um, inspire you in antiquity? Uh, or? Roman guys. I mean, the Spartacus story is pretty badass. Um, mm, mm. That one, that's actually how I opened History on Fire. I did the Slave Wars. That was the very beginning. The first two episodes are on that. I mean, Roman culture was kind of messed up in a lot of ways. You know, when you mm. look at their history, it's, it's not the healthiest culture ever. It's like mm. very efficient at conquering people. But man, those are some mean bastards a lot of mm. Like everything is about violence and conquest and domination and force. Glory, right? I mean, even like I did an episode at one point about uh, sex in ancient Rome, and it was way more disturbing than I was hoping it would be. Mm. So much of at least, I mean, it may not have been really the way people approach it in day-to-day life, but at least the elite discussion about sexuality was so, there was such a rapey vibe to it, where everything mm. was about domination, where it's like, Jesus, man, relax a little, there's something mm. alive <laughs> inside there. So, 
there's a, I mean, as fascinating as it is, and there's a lot of fascinating stuff about Roman history, there's a mountain of crap there. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I think it's always been a fascination with me, but I also certainly wouldn't have wanted to live through it, either yeah. as a man or a woman, right? But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just returned. I, I'm based in London, but I, I just returned from um, North Wales, and they've got this island called Anglesey. Yeah. Famously, this was where it was almost like the last uh, hold of like Celtic Druidism when Romans pushed all the way in there. So there was a lot of history there that I found really interesting. And I didn't know that Druids were so so heavily persecuted. I mean, I guess I oh, yeah. figured everyone was right under. Yeah, yeah, under yeah. yeah, no, Romans were. On the other hand, despite the fact that, yeah, there's a weird history there, the, um, the HBO's TV series Rome. That I thought was one of the greatest TV series mm. ever made. It's written mm. so well. It's done. Uh, it's just fantastic. Mm. So it's uh, if people haven't watched it, I strongly, strongly recommend it. Yeah, I, I like that one too a lot. Actually, I, I thought it was really well. From what I know about Rome, I thought it was really historical, historically accurate. A lot more than the new. I don't know if you've seen the new Netflix one. I think it's called Roman Empire, and uh, they kind of pick different. Yeah, it's a bit. It didn't really do it for me. They pick different emperors that are kind of interesting. I think they do, you know, the, the Nero and then um, someone else. And then they do Constantine Eleventh, who was right. the very, very last one. He's my favorite. So, um, yeah, I didn't really, didn't really quite cut it for me. You've got a dog there, do you, by the way? I've got, a, I've got to ask. Yeah. Is it a cat or a dog? I don't know if he's a dog. It's probably a rabbit <laughs> or something. He's like he's nine pounds. He's tiny and fluffy. Oh, very cute. Very cute. I don't know the that he counts as a dog. I think it's like <laughs> a mutated rabbit. Somewhere in between. Yeah, probably. I've got into philosophy probably in the last two or three years or so, actually. And uh, Meditations is one kind of book that I keep on my you know, on my bedside, right? Do you have? Did you take much from that in terms of philosophy what did you think of that ah man that was one of the rare cases where i start a series and i'm thinking this is gonna be somebody i really got into <clears throat> and i think the series come out well but i'm not nearly as into the character when i finish work compared to when i started like so much of what i found about marcus aurelius he was so damn cynical half of the time where mm. there's just such a there's such a killjoy vibe to his philosophy where while I mm. appreciate stoicism in the sense of, you know, being able to have a certain degree of toughness and determination and be able to carry on regardless of all the crazy emotions that you may be feeling, that's all fantastic stuff. But the way Marcus approached it was so just beauty for the sake of beauty, mm. all is vanity anyway, there's no point to anything, there's no point to happiness, you just should do your duty because you're supposed to, that I'm like, uh, yeah, how about we don't? Um, it just mm. didn't, sounded way too, like, what's the point kind of feeling? And mm. it doesn't really mm. give a very good answer for what's the point. It's more the carry on because you are born in that role and you should perform your role well. But other than that, mm. don't. And I'm just like, look, I really appreciate stoicism in terms of what it can help for once, in the way it can help for one's life. But I, I also feel that it shouldn't come at the price of just being such a killjoy in terms of just looking at the, the good things in life. I took a bit from it as well, noticing the beauty of nature and stuff. I, I thought that was where he kind of, if he was going to draw inspiration from anywhere, it kind of right. seemed to be 
seeing the you know the bees performing their role and everything like that and stuff like that but yeah i I see what you mean i think probably because if he had his time over he probably wouldn't have wanted to be an emperor and then that that, that comes down yeah Yeah. and and then that that turns into well you probably didn't want to be a peasant but here you are now so you know get cracking on the fields right (laughs) absolutely i just think that there's uh there's a line there between um you know, being having strong willpower, having strong discipline, which I think is a value, but at the same time also laughing, cracking jokes, enjoying life, being playful. And I think Marcus Aurelius is a pro at the first half of that and is severely lacking in the second half. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. You had to recommend the kind of beginner's book on philosophy that that particularly inspired you. Obviously, I I mean, I've read a bit of the Tao Te Ching, which I know is, is a big favorite of yours. And I, maybe I just don't have the, the, the brain to really get it, but is, is that something you'd kind of start people on? Tao Te Ching is tricky because on one hand I love it, but I also read it in like a zillion different translations and each translation is very different. Some translations okay. are just, I mean, all translations are still a little tricky because they don't exactly explain with too much. They don't really explain much. You either get it or you don't kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So in some translations I read them and I was like, well, this is crap, this doesn't sound good, and I get nothing from it. Other translations spoke to me a lot more. That's actually one of the reasons why I did at one point, because I'm so big into Taoism as a philosophy. But then there was no single book that I can point to and say, read this, and it captures what I mean. Because I mean, the closest would be there, was, there are some great books by Alan Watts, but even those were a little tricky in the sense that he speaks it a very philosophical language that turn off some people. So uh, what I ended up doing eventually, I ended up doing a lecture series on Taoism. 
where I put together like some seven hours of material of like kind of distilling what to me the key scenes are, but putting them in a language that's a little uh, more user-friendly. So that's kind of been my answer to the fact that I could not find a single source where I could turn people and say, check this one out and this captures it all. Uh, more recently, if people, because, you know, the lecture series is for sale, but if people want to check out a freebie, there's, uh, I did recently a podcast with Aubrey Marcus for his podcast that was all about Taoism. So we did like an hour and a half, two hour, probably more actually, it's two hour plus chat on Taoism. So that kind of gives you a vibe if some of these things resonate with you or not. Sure, sure. I'll have to check it out. What was the name of that, that podcast? Um, it used to be Warrior Poet. I think now it's Aubrey Marcos' podcast. Okay. I believe that that's what it's called now. I kind of came across that too. There was a lot about nature and a lot about very conceptual things that kind of went a bit over my head, but hey, maybe that's just me, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I honestly think the way it's written, you know, you're looking at ancient Chinese from 2,500 years ago. It's hard. It's hard mm. to convey it in a way that clicks. But the themes, once you, that's the beautiful thing, is that once you get them, something goes on and it's like you see it everywhere and not just mm. like in daily life. It's like it, you see it very obviously as a principle it applies to life. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I started reading this book called Zen Flesh, Zen Bones that contain about 101 Zen stories. And the first time I read it, I think two made sense where I was like, these are brilliant story. The other 99, I don't know what the hell it's talking about. <laughs> And then, like, the next time I read, maybe it was five. And the next time was ten. And I think by now I'm probably around 30 or so. <laughs> but it's still, most of them still, there's something that doesn't quite click. But, uh, okay. but once in a while, you know, life experience or things happen, you go back and you're like, oh, I get it now. That makes perfect sense to me now. Right. Falls into place a bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this was a kid's book, was it? It sounds very uh, difficult to, to get as oh, a kid. Yeah, I mean, but I was a freak, so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough, too. Which is probably why also I understood two out of 101. So what about in terms of, obviously, the, the stuff you cover is, is kind of all over the place. You've got some Bruce Lee, Crazy Horse, sure. you know, no real trend between between those two. Is there is there any kind of rhyme or reason that moves you onto something? Is it someone you find just interesting, or is it someone inspiring, yeah. or...? I think his passion, like I need stories that are epic in nature, that do something for me that I feel like, wow, this is somebody I want to spend that many hours reading about or an event that I want to read that many hours reading about because there's something there that is powerful, that is fascinating, that is uh, inspiring. And, um, and that's really the common thread is uh, other than that time place culture doesn't matter i'll go all over the place to to chase those stories that are powerful mm, mm, yeah i i think that's something i've i've always enjoyed as well those kind of uh, i get it's a cliche once again but like epic moments of history right where there's been someone who especially last stands i've always been drawn to kind of those last stands where someone goes no i'm willing to die for this you know yeah for whatever reason and some of them, so many have probably forgotten, but someone where they're just, you know, they against the tide of history, right? And they kind of say no, like um, Saigo Takamori, right? From, um, you know, uh, the Edo period, right? He's one that strikes to me. Definitely. No, I think that's, uh, that's exactly what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. I need to be inspired. If you're not inspired, what the hell are we doing it for? 
On that note, have you started any topics where you've kind of dropped them and thought, no, this is not, this is not working out. It's not nothing um, here. I usually figure it out earlier where okay. it's, you start, it looks good. Then you start doing the initial research at the very, very beginning. And you're like, oh, that does not look nearly as good. Or it looks great, but there are no sources. So I don't have enough to talk about. Or, you know, occasionally there's like the Marcus Aurelius thing where I start way more. Or I did another one on uh, Diogenes, the scenic oh, yeah. philosopher, where at the end, I think still the episode is a blast to do and is fun despite the fact that I'm less than enthusiastic about the character I'm covering by the end, because I find some things brilliant, but others not so much. And I think that's okay. Mm. That's part that actually can enrich the dialogue sometime when you go with, this is great. However, there's a big downfall to this great idea. And this is where it's at. I think that's, that's fine. That, that doesn't, but that doesn't make it less epic. That is fine. It's problematic where the story just there's not enough to support that initial enthusiasm or mm. you realize that it's a lot darker and uglier than you thought it was. For anyone listening, kind of give a 30-second overview because this guy was a pretty miserable bastard, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I called it the, the, the episode was titled The Punk Rocker of Ancient Greece because he has okay. this very anti-authoritarian vibe. He's fairly hilarious, you know, the way he goes against powerful figures, the way the, the trend of the times is hilarious, is funny, and there's something very enjoyable about this uh, kind of iconoclastic vibe. However, that's all he's got. And sometimes I feel like I'm a big fan of destroying established precedent if you're going to create something better in the mm. wake of it. If you're just destroying them and then that's where you stop, I'm like, okay, that's cool for laughs. It's sort of the opposite of Marcus Aurelius. Like, it's cool for laughs. That was a funny joke that you made at the expense of that super self-important person. However, mm. what do you put forward in place of that? What do you have there that replaces it, that makes it Show me that you can not just destroy, but create something great. And I think that mm. was the part that was severely lacking, which when you think about it, is a lot about punk culture too. So much of punk is great in the way it goes against something, but it does not do such a great job in terms of creating an alternative. Mm, yeah, well, uh, Sid Vicious or Johnny Rotten, that, that, they're the ones that spring to mind when you think, right? Yeah, when you're like... Okay, yeah, the stuffy old thing that you went against, you had a point. But what are you bringing that's better than that? Mm. What, what's next for you then in terms of, uh, you mentioned you've got, with any luck, a book fairly on the horizon or something like that. And yeah. obviously you're on Luminary now. Yeah, that's what I want to do. So the book is um, definitely a priority. It's tricky because Easter and Fire takes so much time that it's hard to have mm. time to write. So who knows when? I'm trying, but it's complicated. Um, podcasts, what have I got coming up? I'm gonna do. Um, <clears throat> I'm doing a bunch. I'm doing. I think the next one that comes out pretty soon uh, um, in the next. Uh, I think next month. I'm gonna do a couple of the Sacred Band in Deeps, which was this uh, elite yeah. infantry unit of uh, 150 either homosexual or bisexual guys who are all. There were 150 couples of lovers who were stationed to be that's a trippy story in itself um so i'm gonna do that one i'm doing uh oh, i'm gonna do one that's exciting that's coming up probably toward the end of the year about uh, one siege by the assyrians of J at jerusalem 
where okay. had that siege gone differently, and by different I mean the way everybody expected, because the Assyrians mm. had destroyed everybody they went against, had they decided to go through with the siege, uh, probably there would be no Judaism, Christianity, or Islam today. So wow. that's a bit of a um, trip, because you think how sometimes history can turn on one event, and mm. then one event being different, everything else we know about human history would be different. Well, the short version, and then I build a whole episode around it, which I think is enjoyable, but the short version is this, is the Assyrians said, you know, the back then uh, the Hebrew tribes were split into different states, and the Assyrians had gotten after the first of the states, the bigger one actually, and completely wiped it off the face of the earth. Like, okay. That's why the, you get the story of the ten lost tribes of Israel, because mm-hmm. they spread them throughout the Assyrian Empire. They lose their specific religion, ethnicity, and you never really hear from them again. So now you only have these two other Jewish tribes left, and the Assyrians 20 years later go after them. And they basically destroy their entire country. The only thing that's left is Jerusalem. They are about to take it. If they do take it, it's going to end up exactly the way it ended up for the other ten. So you're going to have no Judaism, which, of course, without Judaism, you're not going to have Christianity. Mm. And without those two, you're not going to have Islam. Mm. So it's... And then there's a twist where it doesn't work out that way. And then from their own Jewish culture will evolve in a way that even when they are conquered, they are not going to lose their traditions. So it's um, it's pretty trippy. Yeah, that sounds that sounds fascinating. I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Actually, yeah. it kind of reminds me a bit of um, I don't remember the the gentleman's name. One of the first converts to Islam. It was um, originally against Muhammad, and he mm-hmm. became one of his greatest generals. You know, absolutely wiped the Byzantines off the face of the earth. Right. Right. It's one of those where if that hadn't have happened, maybe he got some you know some joker bureaucrat instead. Yeah. Uh, the world might be a very different place. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks again, Daniele. Uh, great talking to you. Have a great one. Take care. You too. Bye bye. A huge thank you to the show's Patreon supporters, Claudia, Tom, Malcolm, and Roll. A lot of people don't realize this, but this is a one man show, so there's a big chunk of time that goes into research, writing, editing, and all that. I love sharing these stories, and it means a lot knowing you guys are enjoying them. Your contributions help me keep the lights on, sound libraries, web hosting, books, and all that. If you're not a patron already, we've got some really cool rewards like having the option to read out some of the quotes we use in our episodes. If you want to go have a look, tap the link in our bio. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode... We'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II. 
and people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts.